On this episode of Of Mechs and Men, Riva finds a snack at lunchtime, Dan likes long walks on the beach, Akira goes for a swim when he smells something fishy, but Comstar only finds trash in the water. This is Of Mechs and Men, a Battletech book club. I am Kanan Hill, joined, as usual, by my two good friends, Brent. It's me, Brent. And Aaron. It's me, Aaron. How we doing, boys? Well, I've lost my suitcase with my hidden ninja sword in it, so I'm, uh, well, I'll manage. Well, that's great. Because this week we're traveling through chapters 28 through 31 of the book we've been working through. Warrior Repost by Michael A. Stackpole. Let's get into it. Chapter 28, Comstar First Circuit Compound, 18th of August, 3028. We open with Akira Brahi. He's hanging out on a rooftop patio. He's got a boxed lunch. He's taking a moment to himself, right? That's where we're at. It's lunchtime, and he's hanging out on this patio, breathing the salt air, his warmth. He's chilling. <laughs> However, he is interrupted when Riva Allard enters the scene. Excuse me, but may I join you? So Riva walks up, and they exchange introductions, and both offer only their given names. First names only, specifically, right? They don't mention their last names here. Akira asks Riva where she's from, and she tells him she's from the Federated Sons. We learn that they're both on a little tour of the facilities kind of a situation, right? They're being led around by this acolyte, and they're just taking a tour of the compound. However, they are both annoyed that everyone else on the tour appears to be weird old dudes who won't leave them alone, right? (laughs) And... They bond over this. A story as old as time. Yeah. I love how Reva hits it with the line, I didn't realize this tour would be a geriatric attraction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like Akira's line. He says, I acknowledge your elders as living storehouses of knowledge and tradition, but I do not want to spend all my time with them. <laughs> I think that's the polite way of saying, okay, boomer. <laughs> exactly. Dude, I almost wrote that. Thank you. Riva asks Akira where he's stationed, but obviously Akira can't tell her that, right? That's the Genyosha business. And Riva uses this as an opportunity to point out how smart she is, right? We get this little section here where she's like, I don't even need to know anyway. All these guys, they're so dumb. Why are they even asking questions? You don't have to ask questions because if you pay attention, you can learn everything, right? It is funny considering that she goes through this. I mean, she is right. You can just learn that. But then she proceeds to ask a boatload of questions. I just found it was ironic. Even cute. She's so spicy. (laughs) She's so like high energy. Yeah. Yeah. He's just standing there and she's just like, hmm, you ever think about that? They think they're spies, but I'm not. For example, <laughs> like she could tell Akira was from the Combine because Comstar served him sushi for lunch. Isn't that funny? 
because he's from the combine, they gave him sushi in his lunchbox. So they all have these little yeah. boxed lunches that I assume have been packed up by the acolytes working the kitchen, right? They made little lunches for everyone. And I guess they just decided to give all the combine attendees sushi, which is pretty funny. Yeah, um, it is kind of funny. Yeah, what do they eat? I don't know. Let's give them sushi. It's a little <laughs> presumptuous. Yeah. Yeah. Especially considering uh, we know Akira Brahi is Russell Hagian in, in origin. So that being said, sushi, I think, is enjoyed by most cultures. But Akira doesn't. He doesn't like sushi. Now, Akira asks Riva what Comstar gave her. She says she got a quiller and peanut butter sandwich with the naranji on the side. Quiller <laughs> and peanut butter. All right. So I was interested to learn more about Quiller. So I pulled this bit out of Mech Warrior 3rd Edition. Okay. This is the source book for the RPG, you know, the tabletop Mech Warrior. This is from page 177 of Mech Warrior 3rd Edition. For some of the newer comers to Battletech, Mech Warrior was previously the name of a time of war. So this is basically 3rd Edition, a time of war. Yes. And it says here that both the Fed Sons and the Lyrans use Quiller commonly in their cuisine. And yeah, both substitute the bioengineered Quiller, the largest crop in the Commonwealth, for many of the usual ingredients. The Quiller can be processed into several textures and flavors, making it very versatile. Juices and sodas are the most popular non-alcoholic drinks on the stronger side. Taste in the Fed Com run the gamut. Interesting. Okay, I just wanted to talk about the Quiller because it's like a thing here. And I was like, what is Quiller? And it's a battle tech crop. It appears to be a fictional crop. It's this versatile grain and it can be processed into several textures and flavors. How cool is that? It's interesting. Yeah, when you posted this for us, I was thinking like, how cool would it be if we had something like that that we could process in different ways to get different like food textures out of it, which is pretty neat. It's interesting because it's apparently it's something akin to like corn, but uh, it can also adapt into being kind of like a vegetable or fruit substitute. It seems wild. Quiller even has a presence in Asian dishes, despite its tumultuous history between the House Davion and House Karita. So interesting. The more you know. Oh, look, Sarna has some possible applications it's a possible ingredient in omelets peanut butter and quillar sandwiches as we see here jellied quillar smeared on toast as a condiment with a fruity taste popular in both halves of the federated commonwealth man it can just do do it all it's quiller huh it's quiller <laughs> isn't this cool i want to try some yeah <laughs> yeah quiller all day yeah uh, it's like corn too, now with food <laughs> applications. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly. That is, it's like, oh, it can be kind of like a jelly kind of uh, thing. It can be used in soda. Quiller popcorn. Yeah. Quiller <laughs> popcorn. This is cool. I love getting these little tidbits about that. The, this is the stuff that makes an intellectual property feel lived in, right? It makes it more real when it has these things that are just like, it's like, Oh, Quiller, of course there would be this evolution. Like maybe, maybe what, maybe this came about because of genetic engineering or maybe crossbreeding of plants, or maybe it was just an indigenous crop somewhere that they were like, look at this versatile 
grain, but uh, it's cool. Good find. Yeah, this part's really cool. It isn't just about the quiller. It has a selection of uh, different uh, cuisines all over the inner sphere. It talks about how the Federated Sons has more traditional uh, continental foods, I think. You know, Asian cooking, still popular. It says that. Despite hostilities, Asian cooking, still popular in the Fed Sons, okay? Oh, and check this out. I thought this was interesting. It says the Naranji, a purple citrus fruit. Okay, Naranjis are purple. I don't know if it said that so far. I didn't know they were purple. I never thought about that. So she has one on her plate. The Naranji is a purple orange, right? Yeah. I feel like it's a little smaller than an orange. Don't you? Like a like a kiwi-sized orange? Yeah, it's cool. Uh, it says the Free Worlds League has like Mediterranean cuisine. Traditional Asian has come back. And, oh, they even talk about the kincha fruit. That was the fruit that Sin Shang was eating when he was in the Valhalla Club in the first book. The stuff about the lost yeah, region. Right. And, of course, rice decorated with meat and fish is likewise a staple in the combine. But from aesthetic preference rather than necessity, right? They just, they just really like Japanese stuff. That's what it says. Combine citizens <laughs> prize Asian dishes. Makes sense to me. Scandinavian cuisine is the most common alternative. I wonder if they're eating uh, Hall Carl. Hall Carl. Yeah, Hall Carl. I'm sure I'm saying it not completely correctly. It's like Hawk Carl, Harkal, but uh, it's a, a delicacy in Iceland. Oh, is that the fermented fish? It is the fermented shark. Okay. It uh, apparently has a uh, quite a pungent smell. <laughs> Every time I had ever seen one of those in like a travel show or anything, I wondered if yeah. that was an actual delicacy or if it was something they save for like tourists to show up. For tourists. Like, this is what right. we eat. Go ahead. Try it. I think it's more of like a traditional kind of food, but as opposed to like, I don't think people are going out and eating it a lot. I think it's a traditional type of food because it was able to keep well, right? Like, well, I guess. <laughs> but you know you got to get over the urine smell because urine was once used in the like fermenting process now i think they just use uh ammonia <laughs> it's not really helping its case right now yeah i'm gonna be honest with you it's not uh, uh it's not on my list of things to try when i go to visit Reykjavik. <laughs> However, in this section in the notes you posted, Kanan, from the excerpt from MechWarrior, I did find one of the coolest little sections was that the Capellan Confederation under Max Liao banned the Kensha fruit when they lost the Kensha fruit planet to Merrick, which yes. repainted that scene of Sin Shang ordering the Kensha yeah. fruit in Solaris for me, where he was just like fully <laughs> engrossed in eating them over and over again. And he's being a bad boy. Yeah. Gray Noten sitting there going like this dude's obsessed with it. And it's just like, he has gotten the restricted stuff now. Right. And what's yeah. so interesting is that it was his unit that lost the planet. Right? Yes. Yeah. Was, yeah. They were talking he, about that. Yeah, he had a, he was somewhat responsible for, yeah, he's yeah. Sin Shang and the Kincher fruit are closely related. Never completely got over it, huh, Sin Shang? <laughs> yeah, the Lost Legion, they call it. I thought that was cool. It was just a neat little tidbit there. But to bring us back into the story, <laughs> I do find it a little wild that the like preparation between the two dishes is vastly different, where it's like, oh, the Combine got well-made sushi, and then we got the federated sun's dish is like here's a pb and j animals right that's what's so funny yeah <laughs> yeah is that i thought that 
that why did they just get like, yeah, like a peanut butter sandwich and an orange. That's so funny. It's like they're concerned with them getting scurvy or something, and that's all they prepared for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. I also thought of the orange and was like, hmm, are they... <laughs> Starfaring isn't that much different from seafaring, now is it? (laughs) Right. The Federated Sun says that it leans towards French and Spanish food, generally, if uh, you had to pick one. And so they, I mean, they could have given her anything. Yeah. They gave her a peanut butter sandwich and quiller. They blew the budget on the sushi, right? (laughs) (laughs) They were running by. I think it's because the Combine's probably the most upset about this wedding so they were like let's keep them happy with some nice food <laughs> unless they're a <laughs> they gave him rice rolls and takamaki yeah tuna rolls despite them picking the safest option for the federated sons reva is unhappy with her pb and quill j reva shrugged unenthusiastically quill her and <laughs> <butter> sandwich <laughs> she's just like i don't know <laughs> So they got their lunches and this is where Akira looks over and sees some seagulls and he suggests giving their lunches to the seagulls. Like legitimately, he's like, oh man, we should just, we just give them to the, these birds. And it looks like they'll eat it. Yeah. He's joking, but is he? So Riva suggests that they should go halvesies, right? I'll give you my half. I'll take your half, but that won't work because Akira hates sushi, right? He doesn't like it. That's what's so funny. He doesn't like it at all. He doesn't like sushi. He doesn't want to eat it. So they just end up swapping lunchboxes. Oh, and this is where there's this bit where Akira, he gets, he has the quiller sandwich, right? And he goes to bite it. Akira almost spills some quiller on his shirt when he takes a bite from the sandwich, but he catches it in his hand, right? He reaches out and like, ah, and he catches the quiller before it hits his shirt. That's cool. Cause his mech warrior reflexes. <laughs> now, a couple things. I noticed that the sandwich is wrapped in a petrochem wrap. Okay. I made note of that. <laughs> and the quiller is described as a dollop of yellow green quiller oozed from the sandwich. A dollop of yellow green oozed. So I don't know. Maybe it's kind of substituting the jelly here, right? Yeah. I saw it says it has some ooze to it. And I said, oh, you know, I thought, okay. All right. So it is. It's kind of like it's standing in for the jelly. Yeah. Which makes sense. Brent, I just want to say I'm very proud of you for not making a Secrets of the Ooze reference that I saw rattling around in your brain. So. I had a couple things working, but uh, I couldn't get it. It wasn't restraint. It was... Uh, Inability? Yeah. Just so you know. Before you're giving out too much praise. Akira finishes his bite. It's very cute. She, you know, Reva laughs at him and... Uh, She's like, oh, wow, I'm so glad you took it. You know, I would have never gotten the stain out of my pants. <laughs> they have this whole little exchange. It ends with Riva asks about Akira's father. She manages to bring up Yorinaga because she noticed that he arrived with Yorinaga and uh, she read the book. Remember Hell's Anvil? <laughs> Everyone's read the book. Last third, heavily fictionalized. Yeah. She's using observation exclusively <laughs> to determine these inf- this information about the others unlike all those o- old men that are playing as spies yeah her observation of you have a combine lunch and you showed up with the combine on right. boy this so, is yeah that's right big brain moves big brain i'm on to you you're 
Kira Brahe. <laughs> yeah. She wants to know about Yuri Naga. She read that book and her brother was there. She mentions, so this is where they uh, introduce themselves fully. They exchange surnames. I am Akira Brahe. Yuri Naga Krita is my father. Reva wiped her hands on her napkin. I am Reva Allard and my brother is Daniel Allard of the Kellhounds. I like here Akira thinks to himself, as fast as the universe, we move in tiny circles. Right? It's like it's the same characters. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's going on here? It almost feels like Akira shook here, right? Like, he's probably by now heard maybe behind closed doors, if Yorinaga is anything like Morgan Kell, then he's probably rambling crazy things to his son. So I feel like this is like kind of a like, oh, like, is the universe just like, 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 are we just are we all just players in this game that is life? Like, I feel like he is having a little bit of a moment here in this conversation where he's like, Oh, I'm, I'm now having a semi-romantic luncheon with, uh, the daughter of the head of intelligence of the Federated Sons, whose brother is, uh, a warrior in Kellhounds, uh, wild. It's the sister of the Kellhounds guy. How crazy yeah. is that? <laughs> now, Akira mentions, Quintus, he brings up, oh, you're Quintus's daughter. And this is where Riva at this point just assumes that Akira won't want to associate with her anymore, right? This is Quintus Howard's right. daughter. But no, he's chill with it. He can relate, right? About how they have dads who having that person as their dad sometimes make things weird. He gets it. Similar treatment. And so uh, they just decide to uh, finish their lunches. Or like he says, and direct our detective skills towards the others, or he paused for dramatic effect to uncovering Comstar's deepest and darkest secrets. He's having fun. They're having a good time. They bond here. Yeah. It's a warm little moment. And I love how at the end, it's just like, what can we do to try to spice up this tour that we're both stuck on? Like, oh, what if we turn it into a Hardy Boys case? Uh, we'll try to uncover the deep, dark secrets yeah. of Comstar. And you know they're both like throwing quotation marks up in the air, right. thinking it's going to be a fun little bit just yeah. to yep. just to spice it up. Yep. We'll be like detectives, like spies. <laughs> but boy, cool. there's another half of this chapter. Yeah. <laughs> Akira and Riva agree to resume the tour together. The Acolyte. The tour has restarted. Everyone's shuffling out. Lunchtime is over. And the Acolyte is showing off their training center. They have a training center here. It's cool. They train their personnel. They have classrooms, meditation cells. It's great cafeteria. It's nice. Recently renovated. Also, there's this deep spiral staircase, right? Just kind of going down there into the darkness. He's like standing in front of this big staircase. It's weird. They're like, what's up with that staircase, though? Like, where's that go? And we notice some figures, Ascending the stairs from below, right? There's some guys coming up, some adepts, and Akira notices that they're walking kind of funny, right? <laughs> he's looking at him. He's like, these guys walking kind of funny. What's up with that? Not just any kind of funny, but walking like other people he's seen who are coming out of sim training, mech sim training. Yeah. This is where we learn that being in a mech sim long time makes you walk funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, man, what does it do to you? Right? I mean, I've played MechWarrior Online for too long, and uh, I believe I walk funny after it. It's kind of a, <laughs> a, a seated position. You get, yeah. You <laughs> learn, it teaches you to rotate your torso independently. <laughs> That's true. Now, Kira does notice he's looking at these guys coming up from the depths. 
he points out they don't have rebreathing gear. Rebreathing gear not required. So we know it can't be too far down, right? Right. In terms of, I don't know. That's what he says. <laughs> and also, um, he smells something. Do you smell that? Wait a minute. What's that? You smell that? What is that? It smells like coolant. Coolant. Well, you know what's funny? Reva says burned ashqua. I don't even know what that. Um, I was it's, like, okay. Uh, I couldn't find anything on it when I took a look at it, but they immediately mentioned that it's mech coolant. Yeah, mech coolant. It's a mech smell. There's mechs afoot. There's some, wait, something's going on. Wait a minute. Why does those guys smell like mechs? Hold on. Why would Comscar guys be in mechs? Yeah. So he puts together this plan quickly, right? Okay. This is where he leans into Reva and he tells her, slap me hard. Okay. Right before he kisses her. Man, things are going fast with them. Cupping her head in his hands. Kissed her forcefully. And just like he asked, she obliterates this man. <laughs> I mean, she destroys him. He goes like flailing off. There's like a bunch of acolytes. They got to catch him. Yeah, she crushes him and then runs off. And the acolytes, they catch him and then they drop him. This makes sense knowing uh, literally both of her brothers. I'm yeah. like, yeah, I bet Rat can swing a hand. <laughs> yeah, he, she's always having to stop them from kissing him. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, <laughs> wait that's not what i was implying i was implying so, the siblings wrestle <laughs> yeah the alleys are freaks oh, <laughs> yeah no and I, I love how he has the like wwe cell of like getting hit and then he like barrels into the guys coming up the stairs yeah yeah the acolytes catch him and then they drop him and then they all laugh at him it's very <laughs> funny they're all laughing. Oh, man, she crushed you. Hot red mark on his face. Okay? It's stinging. And Reva goes stomping off. And uh, I like this. Akira gets up. He says something. He's like, she can't do that to the Combine's finest jump troop commander. He just says some stuff. And yeah. uh, he goes to stalk after. The dude grabs him like, hey, buddy, come on. Come on. What are you doing? Huh? He's like, okay, you're right. Leave her alone. Rejoin the tour. Keep your hands to yourself. What are you doing? And so uh, he's like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love and, how uh, one of the acolytes throws out the line, that slap hit you harder than an auto cannon round. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, this this acolyte just dogs on him for a second. Yeah. <laughs> From now on, just consider her a fire starter. Oh, yeah. See, it's funny. He says auto cannon round and fire starter. That's mech warrior talk, right? Yeah. So, it's like, why would... Uh, right. They're supposed to be bookerly and studious. It's suspicious. It's yeah. suspicious. Akira finds Riva <laughs> waiting for him around the corner. And I like this. She asked him what he learned, looking excited, waiting for him, excitement written all over her face. What did you learn? And we get a cute moment where... <laughs> I love this. Akira tells her that I learned never to kiss you. And then Riva <laughs> stood on her toes and kissed his reddened cheek. You learned never to surprise me. What else did you learn? <laughs> it's very charming and Reva wants to know what you find out but Akira isn't sure because he still needs to investigate further he's not sure yet he can't he doesn't know he won't tell her and she's disappointed but she says that okay but you gotta let me know what you find out okay because he says he's going to investigate further but he doesn't tell her but we see the end of the chapter here he thinks to himself, he's pretty sure those acolytes were wearing cooling vests. Hmm? Who would believe that poor, pacifistic Comstar 
is training their own mech warriors. Shocking. Meanwhile, somewhere, Grayson is in front of a map saying the same thing. It's like poetry. It rhymes. <laughs> so, yeah, this one's cool. It's just the Akira Riva chapter. They meet up and they kick it off and they get into some hijinks. But I thought, yeah. all right, this is, I didn't expect this. I didn't either. I love it. But I think the thing that hit me hardest in this was that up till now, we've really only seen the Combine painted in this very stoic and most of the time more villainous light. We've seen a lot of like cold scheming actions taken by the Combine. A lot of scheming. Yeah. Yeah. And Akira here gives us our first light into the human side of the combine this dude we get chill. just a hangout chapter yeah by the way you learn this is where he gets characterized and right i thought he was so grim when he showed up at yurinaga's office whatever that was the last time he was overcoming some presumptions right like there's there was a a weight he was dragging behind him that he had to like kind of get in front of yeah totally. yeah and then then we get to this chapter with him and he really is a fit in with any of our one of the boys groups yeah like yeah. he just seems very chill and i really like that stackpole took that because we could see yorinaga so far has been painted in an antagonist light and yeah. then we have a reason now to say like oh here's not a bad guy the man reporting directly under yorinaga is a chill guy this guy's too he, chill. He's, the, he's somebody after this chapter, you don't want to see anything bad happen to him. Yeah, sure. What are you doing with the, you should join the Kellhounds. <laughs> That'd be tight. So Comstar's got battle mechs down there, though. That is what this chapter is about. Hey, Comstar's got battle mechs down there. What's going on with that? A chapter that starts with goofing around comes into like really like, uh-oh. Yeah. This is we getting check weird. check this out. I love the transition. This, you're right. This chapter has this, it like goes from like this innocent, it's almost kind of like a modern, like whimsical kind of like, oh, like, isn't this all quirky? Their little date. And, and then it, it very quickly goes to conspiracy land that uh, actually, you know, it looks like that maybe Comstar has a, has mechs, mech, at least mech warriors. That's strange. Yeah. What does that mean? So what's going on here? Is this like a blossoming romance? I mean, is that what this is? Uh, you know, we love a blossoming romance in Battletech, don't we? It's a high I mean, stakes romance. It's a very Romeo Juliet. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, that's that one with Leonardo DiCaprio. You guys seen that one? Yeah. Maybe they're just goofing around. I don't know if this is sustainable. You know what I mean? That's why I don't... Uh, and we have another... It is sad these characters come together, and then, of course, they'll be torn apart, just like with Dan and Gina, right? Forbidden love, right? The taboo is what makes it uh, spicier. And speaking of Dan and Gina, we'll have to see what they've gotten up to in the next chapter. Chapter 29. So this chapter is all about this conversation between Dan and Gina on the beach, right? They're having a nice sunset walk on the beach. And 
it's cool. We This is the Dan and Gina chapter. Here we go. We get another little pairing. I love these. This is great. Yeah, this is like the date chapter episode. Yeah. I like that they're bumper to bumper here. <laughs> yeah, they are. I was like, that's a weird way to walk on the beach. But then I realized you're talking about the chapters. <laughs> <laughs> bumper to bumper. <laughs> no, most that's people, called something else. That's most, how the chapter say, ends. Yeah, most people say back to back. Yeah. <laughs> An army like of two walk on bumper the beach. Bumper to bumper. <laughs> yeah, bumper to bumper. So they've been hanging out all day. And Dan's been telling her his whole life story. <laughs> However, he cannot help but to notice that she hasn't really talked about herself at all, right? And when Dan mentions this to her, Gina responds by pointing out some dolphins. <laughs> and what's funny is Dan actually turns and watches them for a while, right? Look, Dan, dolphins. And he's just like, huh, dolphins? And he looks out and he's like, oh, that's nice. They're so sleek and beautiful. Dan smiled as he watched the trio swim along the shore. And then he's like, wait, wait, hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> Wasn't I asking you something? Yeah. What did I say? Yes. Dan realizes he's been duped. <laughs> Dolphin duped. She's master. She's, she's masterful. Gina Clay. Well, actually, he doesn't know her surname. He says that. I don't even know your surname. I don't even know who you are. <laughs> and of course, she tells him that she wants to share, but she can't, right? She can't talk about what she does, but it's not because she doesn't trust him, right? Not because I don't trust you. Dan knows. He's like, I know, I know. I've, I've just been talking about myself. I just can't help but notice you've said nothing. I've literally just, I don't know any, I, we, we've been hanging out all day. I still don't know anything about you. I just thought, I just wanted to bring that up. And... This is where she admits that she is close to Melissa Steiner, right, in a professional capacity. She has various duties, so much to do, but nothing in the routine sort of way, she says. The work is not hard, though it can be demanding and require long hours. I like Dan asks her if she thinks that they'll be mad that she hung out with him. Is it cool? Is it chill that you're hanging out with me? But it is chill because obviously Melissa's pretty busy right now, right? She's got a lot of people. She's got plenty of people around her. She's doing Melissa stuff. But Gina does tell him after the wedding, it will be kind of back to work. So again, we have these blossoming romance destined to be torn apart at the end of the weekend. Yep. Another Andy and Misha. Right. Everything keeps going like this. It's heartbreaking. <laughs> Pleading romances. It breaks my heart. Gina has plans to break something else. Yeah. <laughs> Dan asks Gina if she likes the work, right? Do you enjoy what you do? And she does, actually. She says that uh, though she wouldn't have thought it possible, this has turned into the most satisfying job she could ever imagine. Huh? She loves it. We learned that about Gina Clay, right? We haven't really, since she became the body double, it, you know, she loves it, by the way. She's having a great time. I love how Stackpole kind of gives us it. This is a cool way to get this information, right? It's like yeah. it, it kind of organically comes up in this romance angle. And you're like, oh, she's taken to pretending to be someone else pretty well. That's good. Well, seeing how all the other body double plots had turned out, it seems like this one's going really well. Indeed. That was the plan, though. Simon, right? Simon thought, you know what we should do? Instead of brainwashing or whatever, we should get someone who's into it. 
right? Huh? <laughs> that was that was his master plan. He's still great at his job. He's so yeah. good. Oh, this is where Dan asks her about the perfume, right? What's that scent? You smell that? What do you remember? Have they they've mentioned the perfume before? The spicy perfume. Yeah, every every time she shows up to Dan. Yeah. What's that fragrance? She's got that perfume fragrance. And she tells Dan that fragrance created specifically for Melissa by a cosmetic consortium on Uton, and they call it Nocturne. However, you know, they do market a similar blend under another name for sale to the public. Okay, this is some real exclusive stuff, right? I mean, this is some real boutique. A designer created it a limited run for the Archon's daughter. Yeah. <laughs> However. It also sounds like a trivia question. Yeah. It does sound <laughs> suspiciously like a, that was no Nocturne, right? The spicy. <laughs> nocturne. The and it has yep. a spicy uh, scent to it. And Melissa hates it, <laughs> right? She hates the scent secretly. I like Gina leaned forward, dropping her voice conspiratorially. She hates the scent. So, because, you know, it's like, don't tell anyone. She doesn't like it. And she wouldn't be caught dead wearing it. So she gave the whole supply to me. So Gina, that's that perfume. She's got this exclusive boutique scent. It's Nocturne. So... Which, to me, this gave me the little, like, stack pull hair on the back of my neck race of, like, there's a weird detail that he's hammered oh, with yeah. us, or hammered into us a yeah, few times. <laughs> yeah, like, when you're is. dealing with body doubles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is there a way to tell these two apart? There's no way. <laughs> I know writers use subtlety, and they're all cowards. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, Gina says that. She gave the whole supply to her because she does like it. And then Dan leans in and says, so do I on you. And then they kiss. <laughs> That's true. Pulling him closer with hands around his neck and gathered her in his arms, hugged her fiercely. They remain in each other's arms. They're just uh, holding each other on the beach. It's adorable. And then Dan's alarm goes off. <laughs> he gets a reminder about the reception hosted by the Free Worlds League. Okay. They're having a party. Dan asks Melissa, she wants to go with him. And she says, no, she doesn't, actually. <laughs> and he's sad. He's like, oh, I just oh I'm thought, sorry. I thought we were just, I don't. It's just a Danism. Yeah. This is what we've come to expect out of Dan. She's like, oh, I yeah. got a reminder about this reception that's being hosted. It'd be kind of cool to go. <laughs> Do you want to go to that? And she's like, I don't want to go to that. And then Dan's like, oh, I guess I got to go alone. And she's like, no, I, don't. I guess I'll be running a desk for a little while. <laughs> yeah. She's like, no, Dan, how about this? What if me and you go to my bungalow together, Dan? And he's like, oh, yeah. Uh, that'd be chill or whatever, that'd be, man. That'd be chill uh, or whatever, yeah. <laughs> like we could like listen to records or something. You really had me in the first half, though, not yeah. going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she kissed him quickly. I don't want this day to end. Not yet. Not tonight. There'll be other parties, and I'd be happy to attend them. But tonight, my love, I want you all to myself. Ooh, woo. And, and, that's, and this, <laughs> that's the end of the chapter. They go. This is yeah. the part where that song from Top Gun plays. Hanging with the boys? No, no. Um. Oh man. Danger Zone. Yeah. No, not that one even either. Uh. Dun 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 dun. dun, dun, dun. 
What is it? I don't actually, I don't remember. That. I believe I it's I take my breath away. Oh, yeah. Take my breath away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this rules, dude. They go to her bungalow, dude. <laughs> A bungalow <laughs> night for Dan. Good for Dan. They play some bungalow tech. <laughs> I'm glad, you know, he, you know, he's got what he deserves after the, you know, after the chair incident. With the, with, with the Eagle. After a lot of our Dan incidents, yeah. and and the Wolfhound incident, we finally asked somebody. <laughs> the yeah, they just they just spelled it out for Dan. Gina doesn't leave any room for misinterpretation here. He doesn't walk away disappointed for no reason. She's just like, Dan, come on, we're just we're gonna go back to my place. And he's like, that's cool. I'm yeah. into that. Thank God for Gina. Yeah, but I mean, all in all, it's like a short little like breather chapter. That we get in all of this. Yeah. We do get another Allard brother getting in a very complicated relationship. The Allards really do have a way. They're always doing this. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It almost makes you wonder how Quintus met his first wife. Um, Justin's uh, mother. Shenanigans indeed. Oh, that yeah. His first wife. Yes. His first wife. That'd be a cool story. (laughs) Wait, don't they say it? Didn't they meet while he was... Yeah, well, he is the ambassador. They say that, but I mean, like, the, uh, you know, is it this taboo? Like, you know, was she, like, the ambassador for the Capella? I don't know. That's not how ambassadors work. (laughs) You just stick all the ambassadors (laughs) in one room together and they fight it out. (laughs) The Battle Embassy. I'd play that game, Battle Embassy. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like a WWE-like game, but you get, like... Guns. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's Brent's, <laughs> in, that, that's Brent's innovation. No, just, no, actually, that's not where I was. I was like, oh no, no, no! Like everyone's like the cartoon amalgamations of like. Yeah, I, I, I main Uruguay. It's like a, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a Smash Brothers, right? <laughs> but it's like all of these stereotypes of all of the nations. <laughs> so like, G Gundam. It's just called G Gundam, actually, yeah, guys. Go watch yeah. G Gundam. Yeah. Go watch G Gundam if you want that. Yeah, that brings us to our next segment: the Battle Embassy. <laughs> <laughs> We've selected ambassadors from each region. <laughs> Poland's looked real good recently. Oh, I got long odds on the French. That's a Solaris. That's yeah. the Battle Embassy. <laughs> yeah, it's a chill chapter. It's so nice. It's refreshing. Uh, we get this. Cute little scene between Dan and Gina. And then, yeah, it does make you forget about the Comstar conspiracy just for a moment. Just for a moment. But Stackpole brings us right back into it in the next chapter. Chapter 30. This chapter begins with the scene of Akira in his room assembling a weapon. All right. We get this whole <laughs> long section where he just puts this sword together, right? It's cool. What's so funny about this is that Comstar checked everyone for weapons, not once, but now twice yeah. that we have confirmed. They were sure. There's definitely they were sure. no weapons. Yep. Yeah. And if we needed a chapter, 
it's been a while since we were reminded that these books were written in the 80s. And this is a great one to remind us that. <laughs> this whole chapter riddled with those vibes. It's true. I do love the cutover from the beach. But this was the TV show straight to it's like ice cold silence. And he's just like silently. You just watch him as he's like pulling the stuff out. You're like, what's he doing? And he takes he has the blade of a sword hidden <laughs> in his suitcase. Yeah, it's right? like built into the hinges of the suitcase. Yeah, mm. along the like where the latches are. He can actually there's a a sliver of metal. For my young millennials, zoomers and then whatever the newer ones are. Okay. Suitcases were these things. It was this hard case that people would use to put all of their belongings in when they were going on. trips all right it wasn't soft it didn't have like a zipper it was like this hard usually leather case with yeah with sometimes with brass accoutrement yeah often they had a little like lock on them just for everyone who uh had never seen one before it's all duffels now isn't it it's all duffels. Good it's point. all soft. I think plenty I of about people that. use suitcases. Still. I don't know. Nobody I, uses suitcases. I think he's anymore. onto something that I that I feel like, or at least, yeah, the ratio. I do think it it has tilted. There's there's. I feel like there's more duffels in transit than even richer people. Even design. Nobody's using like trunks or suitcases anymore. It's all like like soft or like semi hard, or, or they're using like pelican cases. For like more delicate items, Aaron, you're gonna die on this hill, but like you're wrong. There's nobody's using suitcases I anymore. I have my travel luggage. <laughs> okay, boomer. <laughs> I mean, his is, the suitcase. I think the point you're making is that the, the suitcase is nicer. It's more tasteful. I'm chill. I'm straight. I I, I agree. True. Yeah. I also yeah. like briefcases. I I'll bring them back. Yeah, with the latches. Hit the latches. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So. From its hiding place between the hinge and the rim of the suitcase, Akira pulls a thin paper wrapped metal strip. Okay, he has to take the screws out. He has a little like a knife in his shaving kit, and then he it's like a screwdriver actually. He takes the screws out. It's cool. There's this whole scene. He puts the sword together. He uses his belt buckle as the hand guard, right? Because he's got this sweet belt buckle. <laughs> Lotus pattern worked in the center. Decorative buckle had been styled after 16th century Japanese sword guard. That's what's so funny. Sword guard belt buckle turns out <laughs> actually a sword guard. Huh? And <laughs> he uses the handle of a brush as a hilt and a leather belt as a sheath. He, he like cuts open the leather belt and he uses it like a sheath. He's got a whole sword ready to go. Puts it together in his room. It's some real spy movie vibes. It's cool. Yeah. He's got a sword now. <laughs> and I, th- I think he, he uses the laces from some shoes so he can strap the blade onto him. He like wears it on his back. And he has a crudely drawn map and a hastily constructed plan, you see, because he's going to come in by sea from the south and he's going to tr- try to find a way in. That's what he's looking at this little map He's got, after what happened, after the last time we saw it with him and Riva, he studied the approaches and slowly worked out a plan for returning there without being seen. Okay. Oh, I like it even mentions he soaked his sweater and his pants in water to help protect against infrared scanners. Right. That's pretty smart. Sure. 
might work if he gets there fast enough. So, yeah, he's trying. That's what he thinks. He's uh, he's like, does that work? I don't know. Like, I'll try anything. <laughs> and now that he's dripping wet, he's like, I better leave this map on my bed because <laughs> I don't think it, it'll just get ruined if I put it in my pocket. Yeah, just leave it on the bed. It's fine. He's thinking about, he's pulling shoelaces off of shoes and he's thinking about Comstar. He's actually wondering, you know, Akira, is it even weird? Why would it be weird that Comstar is training mech warriors? I mean, think about it. He even talks about, there are stories, right? About everyone knows that Jerome Blake took Terra because he planned and executed a mech assault, right? He had a regiments and stuff. He's been thinking about it and he's, He's been like, you know what? I mean, it makes sense that they would be training mech warriors. That they'd have some kind of security. It makes sense. They have mechs. He's been thinking about it all day. He has to know more. And so he masks up and heads into the night. Oh, I like this. It does mention he takes a small piece of chalk and a flashlight. He even does the thing where he adjusts his eyes to the darkness before he leaves. <laughs> right? He closes his eyes. He tries to get that night vision. And yeah, he makes a cool mask. He's like a strip of cloth, like wraps it around his face. It's cool, dude. And so he makes his way slowly across this stretch of beach, right? Through the night, he sneaks and crawls. We get some sick ninja action. Yeah. Yeah, the, the whole time, like, Enter the Dragon was, like, playing <laughs> through in my head. It just gave me those vibes. Mm-hmm. 100%. Moving with exaggerated caution and care, it took him half an hour to cross 500 meters of uninhabited beach. Now, that's pretty slow if you're a guy. That's pretty good if you're a football team, right? <laughs> but half an hour for you know, 500 meters. Five touchdowns? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a good first half. But, it, you know, everything seems to be going well. It's this whole thing. It's this long scene. He's like crawling around in the dark, right? Frank, let's play night crawlers. So... <laughs> He gets up to this rock face. It's about 10 meters high. And he free climbs to the top. It's cool. He's just like, all right, I got to climb this rock. And he does. He's used to it, right? He mentions his grandfather's estate on Rosselhog. He loved uh, climbing rocks and stuff. Oh, yeah. So we get some Mission Impossible 2 action. The free climb. He gets the, yeah, we, yeah, we get some free climb. He even has to backtrack. He runs out of handholds and he's got to go back down and then back up and... He's thinking about his map, and uh, he's thinking about his plan. He's up there trying to catch his breath, and he's thinking to himself. We learn he's hoping he can find some kind of ventilation system that he can get into, right? Maybe we can get some like Metal Gear Solid kind of vent crawling <laughs> going on. And I'm like, oh, cool, dude. <laughs> I love vent stuff. I love sneaking in through vents. That's a classic. I love facilities that have man-sized vents. Yeah personally yep not great for security great for sneaking around scenes good for airflow also got to push more air man-sized air man-sized air and, and this might not work i might, might not find any kind of shafts like that i'm coming out here to look however he thinks to himself even now if i fail here if i don't find anything with my little excursion he has his tricks remember he was in the 11th vegan legion that a requisition unauthorized supplies and whatnot i think they call that five finger logistics he's crafting <laughs> it's just a plan he's out here in the night he's looking for some vents and well he's crawling through tangled undergrowth when he encounters a great covered cement cylinder not a grape i know that comes up a lot in battletech but a great a great and 
He takes a look at it. Well, actually, he can smell the air coming out of it. Guess what he smells? Med coolant, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What's That's this the spot. Green? Wait a minute. Uh-oh. This looks like ventilation. So, you know, it's like this big culvert, <laughs> like a well, you know what I mean? With like the grate on top. Yeah. A cylindrical extrusion. Yeah, exactly. The grate's got some bolts on it. Luckily, though, the bolts look pretty rusty, right? Salt air and warm water and whatnot. So he cuts them off. He saws them off with his, uh, his hacksaw blade, his knife. Okay. All right. We cut the bolts. This is cool. And okay. He lowers himself into the ventilation shaft and he slowly makes his way along in the darkness. Okay. He did it. We're in the shaft. It's very dark where he's kind of crawling along, occasionally using his flashlight. I think just kind of taking little peeks. He's marking his path with chalk as he goes along. That's smart. Yeah, it is. I thought that was clever. There's even one part where it talks about, it catalogs this whole journey through this ventilation system. He has to backtrack because the path he's going, it starts to slant down at like too sharp of an angle. He's like, oh, I, you know, I wouldn't be able to get back up. Let me try this other fork. But yeah, it goes down the shaft and he hears voices coming from a vent opening. We see light pouring out of a vent just up ahead, heart pounding. He crawls over to it, straining to hear the sounds from below. So Akira crawls up to the vent and gets a peek inside, okay? And what does he find? Bunch of mechs, right? A lot of mechs. A lot of mechs. A lot of mechs. A lot of mechs down here. Mechs of all sizes. We've got light mechs, medium, heavies, and assaults. And they're well organized. Yes, Akira is horrified to discover a legion of what appears to be mint-conditioned battle mechs stretching nearly as far as he can see. That's what's going on down here. Mint. Each machine gleamed white except for the Comstar logo emblazoned in gold on his chest. Crisp, crisp <laughs> white battle mechs. He thinks about the yellow bird. He thinks, man, Morgan Kell ain't nothing. Right? Am I right? <laughs> this isn't, if the Combine should be worried about anything, it's these guys. What's going on down here? This horde of mechs will be the dragon's death. He notices this isn't salvage, right? These mechs don't even look like they've taken damage. They look factory fresh. They're like Christine. new mechs. That's insane. I feel like this is early on and they still don't have all the details worked out. I would have loved to get some like uh, some like call outs to some mechs that were uh, kind of extinct at this point just to kind of add to yeah. the like what the hell is going on here. Flashman. Yeah, that that cuz that's what I was thinking of too. It's like he's seeing mechs he ain't ever seen before and yeah. right. Thing, and that's right. sinking him further into that like astonishment and fear that he's feeling like, right now. Maybe he's Is like, that a man, Lancelot? That's a lot of crabs. It's a lot of crabs. <laughs> a lot of crabs. He can see there's also, there's like a bunch of guys down there working. They're not down here in silence. Like, you know, this place is lit. We got techs and Aztecs and robes. Because of course they need upkeep. Yeah, they're working. He seems shook. He's like, oh, he, it's like, I don't think he knew what exactly to expect, but he might have, he didn't expect pristine mechs. In this quantity. Yeah, it almost seemed like it, this was just a little excursion to like sate his curiosity to kill some boredom on the island of like, let me yeah. do something that's a little dangerous. Yeah. yeah. And then he didn't actually expect to find something this crazy. Yeah. This is definitely your like Metal Gear moment. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So 
He's seen all he needs to see. Akira makes his way back up through the tunnels where he attempts to exit the way he came in. The word attempt is terrifying here. Yeah. Yeah. Moves the grate off the tunnel, lowered to the ground. He uncoiled himself from the cramped shaft, straightened up to stretch his muscles, and the garrote dropped around Akira's throat and jerked him backwards as his assailant tried to pull it tight. So a garrote drops around his neck. Luckily, catches on the sword hilt, okay? It doesn't get all the way. It's like he's wearing that sword, so it's not that effective. Yeah. Okay. He gets some breathing room, literally. Literally. (laughs) And it's awesome, though. So Akira elbows his attacker, breaking his ribs, and then flips him over using the garrote wire for leverage. That's what happens here. It's awesome. He's like, boom, and, and then flips the dude over. So he gets on his feet. Akira draws his blade. He's got that sword. And a second guy runs in, right? Another attacker. There are at least two. This guy gets him with his stun stick. He's got a stun stick. And Akira tries to dodge it, but he isn't able to. And he goes flying. He hits him hard. He messes him up, thrown across the clearing. And he loses his sword. He loses his sword somewhere in the underbrush. His left arm's now all weeble wobbly. Yeah. Is this what happened to Grayson on Helm? Like, remember when his like leg was all tingly? Yeah. The tingler. The tingler. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. This one feels a little more violent than the tingler. Yeah. Yeah. This is where he gets a good look at his assailants here. What do we got? We got three guys, dark helmets, dark uniforms, hmm? padding at the elbows, no rank or branch insignia. Who are these guys? We got some we got some goons. Looks like a couple of nobodies if I've ever seen it. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> I like this though. So they've like knocked him on the ground and instead of killing him immediately, they argue for a little bit about who gets to kill him <laughs> because the Garouk guy wants to kill him. But the stun stick guy is like, no, I got him with a stun stick. And the Garouter's like, no, but I got him first. I almost felt like this was an homage to The Hobbit from Stackpole. Like, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, is this the uh, the three trolls arguing over how to cook Bilbo and the dwarves moment? <laughs> yeah, it definitely has become one of our like staples in Battletech books. As soon as somebody starts arguing over who's going to get that final hit or the glory of the win, things yeah, stop yeah. going well for them. We got some grunts here. <laughs> Uh-oh. This is real like henchman stuff. This doesn't look good for them. But we do learn their intentions. They're not trying to bring this guy back and hold him somewhere. He's getting axed. The guy with the garrote wins the argument, and he goes in for the kill, but Akira just kicks him into the bushes. That's what happens. Yeah. The dude comes up, and Akira's like, bah, and hits him, and the guy's, oh, and he goes flying off into the, into the bushes. It's awesome. So <laughs> now it's the stun stick guy's turn, right? He's here. He starts moving in. Right, he's gonna come in, he's gonna get him too. And this is where another figure steps out and breaks the dude's neck. <laughs> right? That's what the, Akira sees this guy coming, all of a sudden, shadowy figure, boom, breaks his neck, dude hits the ground. Now, the third Comstar guy, the captain, apparently, is what it says. The captain pulls out a neuro whip. Okay, remember the. Got another ne- neuro whip. Remember the neural whip? Yep. telescoping blade we've only seen absolute psychopaths use this yeah. thing yep the dr blade special exactly 
Yeah, dude pulls out the neuro whip. He starts swinging it at this newcomer, and another figure emerges at the captain's back, and we hear him say, No way, Morgan. You had the other one. This one is mine. Before cracking his knuckles. <laughs> yeah. It's Jamie Wolf. It's the wolf. Who's talking to Morgan. He, yeah, and he's talking to Morgan. And so right, you know, right here you realize, oh, dude, this is Morgan <laughs> Kell and Jamie Wolf. <laughs> they just showed up, broke one dude's neck. They also looked like they wanted to get something in that's a little dangerous <laughs> and break up the monotony of the wedding adventure. Yeah. What are these guys? What are they doing out here? Not the best dinner guests, these guys. Yeah. Or are they? <laughs> they are in Akira's book right now. Yeah, this is awesome. Wolf sweep kicks the dude and then tells him to get back up, right? You know we love a good sweep kick. Yes. That's the second sweep kick of this book, right? Yeah. Yep. So if I'm counting correctly, we've had one sweep kick in a Shadowhawk, one from Grayson, one from Dan, and now one from Jamie Wolf. Yep. Hopefully there's more to come. We're at four sweep kicks on the sweep kick meter. <laughs> Kicks him down, tells him to get back up. Come on, come on, let's go. And so dude does get back up, takes a lunge at Jamie. Jamie dodges it and roundhouse kicks the guy in the face, blasting him to the ground. That's what it says. It says blasting. <laughs> the dude gets blasted and Morgan tells Jamie to hurry up. It's like when your your stock is too low on Smash Brothers and they get that final hit in on you. Yeah. yeah. Do it, Jamie. We don't have that much time. Come on. Stop messing around. All right. Oh, this part's so cool, dude. So Jamie's like, all right, I'll stop messing around. He puts this glove on, right? He pulls this glove out of his belt and he puts it on his left hand. And the captain gets back up a last time. He's got that neuro whip. He's swinging it around, right? He takes a swing at Jamie with the neuro whip, and Jamie catches it with his hand, right? Insulation, friend. Makes your fancy toy worthless. <laughs> How sick is this? He's so cool. Yeah. He catches it with his hand before stabbing the guy in the throat with his fingers. That's what happens. And That's what the, happens. the guy collapses, catches the neuro whip, Stabs him in the throat. Man, easy, right? <laughs> we actually do get the epitome of the easy. We get the slow. Yeah, the very GG slow. Easy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, yeah. <laughs> nothing personnel, kid. <laughs> this is where Yorinaga emerges and runs over and checks on Akira. Akira's beat up, but he'll be okay. This is where I had to go back and like reread that line. Because I was like, we've got Morgan, we've got Jamie Wolf, and then the third person who yeah. I would have never guessed would be part of this trio is yeah. Yorinaga shows up. The third old head yeah. shows up. Mm. We got like the three coolest dudes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they're all here. The boys are out of retirement for this segment. <laughs> they're having a good time. <laughs> it really does feel like, yeah, like the old heads were having some cold ones and we're like, you know, yeah. like old time's sake. <laughs> let's go save this youngin we're checking on akira he's beat up he's okay he's in a lot of pain he'll be all right though if jamie and morgan agree to stay and clean up while yorinaga guides akira back through the woods right and they ask him did you bring anything else with you yes i had my sword i dropped it somewhere over there it's back in the bush all right we'll get it for you you guys better get out of here next sweep in five minutes right so 
Yorinaga and Akira go off into the woods. So we learned that they've been monitoring the security sweeps on here on the island, which is interesting that they have that kind of intelligence. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Yeah. That like everybody's on the same page here that they, this is fishy enough to be monitoring the security this closely and to be willing to go out on random kind of night missions to investigate for more information. It's very bizarre, but in a way that makes total sense. Yeah. So with that, it's clear. Comstar is indeed up to something. <laughs> Akira asks his father how they found him. Turns out Akira left his map on his bed, right? He left That's his right. map back at his room. So Yorinaga says he went out to find him. And Wolf and Kel saw me on the way here. How? I do not know. Uh, they just knew that he was up to something and they offered to help. Which, that's weird. <laughs> Yuri Naga was stalking through the night, and it's like, oh, uh, oh, hey. Morgan and Wolf were just like, hey, what you, oh, something going on? on? Yeah. It's the first time Morgan's seen this man in 11 years, after a very traumatic experience. And his first thought's like, we can help you. We got you, man. Like, <laughs> let's put all that aside for just a minute. Let's go dunk on Comstar together. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. It absolutely is. Akira starts to kind of come to. The numbness is wearing off. My favorite part is that Yorinaga-san agrees to let them help. He's like, yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, for all of he knows, Morgan and Jamie could kill him the second they're out of well, any kind of eyes reach there. No. Right. They wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I think there there goes to be that level of respect shown there. That's what I think it is, right? It's like clearly that's like there's a level of respect where they're like, oh, he's not from gonna... all parties where this is yeah. not this isn't yeah. a border conflict. This isn't a battle of politics. This is like a dude who's like, My son's in trouble. And they're like, Nuff said. <laughs> also, I think they might have known what Right. he was up to that's what yeah. i mean they were, yes uh... i think there is an implication yeah that that morgan and wolf were like up and like oh look he's going oh yeah yeah he's Where's got he a going? sword there yeah <laughs> Yorinaga asks akira about what he saw down there akira tells his father down there he got a look beneath comstar's facade the word of blake is bound with steel it's a hell of a sentence yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought, 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 thought that was cool. That's pretty good. And something we say more and more frequently here, it's popping off. <laughs> this wedding's getting very complicated. Yeah, isn't this cool? It's got a spicy fragrance, for sure. Nocturne. God. Shout out to <laughs> Shin Mikami Tensei 3. Oh my god, he beat me to it. Motherfucker. <laughs> what? I just, Excuse me? I was about to say Shin Megami Tensei 3. I don't under, but I don't, yeah. I mean, I heard, well, but why? What's the, uh, that's Nocturne. It's Nocturne. The, yeah, the subtitle oh. is Nocturne. Mm. It's like a, fan, mm. it's like a PS2 JRPG. It's a PS2. It's a me and Kanan joint. I gotcha. I, it, it's a popular. It is popular. Just, Brendis, he don't play no J. He's not like, he played Blitzball. Yeah. <laughs> it's Blitzball, dude. Dude, this chapter's so cool. When Jamie and Morgan show up in like, Ice those goons. It's yeah. sick, dude. This part rules. <laughs> we got Akira pulling his ninja mission and out. We got the secret sword. We got Comstar Max. We've got the trio of Morgan, Jamie, and Yorinaga. Yeah. 
It, it just Dude, all three things I did not predict that was going to come up in this episode when I was reading these chapters. We're not even close to getting married yet. Yeah. No. Comstar's got another weapon problem. Now they know. Yeah, Comstar's got some problems. <laughs> so now they've got like three dead guards on the property, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. That's, oh, man. You know, Mindo's going to love it. Yeah, I do think that Mindo's going to have more to say to uh, old Rom Chief after this. Oh, Jarlath's going to hear about it. Yeah. But we'll have to see how bad it gets for Jarlath in the next chapter. Chapter 31. Comstar First Circuit Compound, 19th of August, 3028. So, it's the next day. We're back with the Primus. It's a Comstar chapter. All right? <laughs> I definitely wish that we got a uh, a time with this date stamp, yeah. just to know how early they woke up. Poor Jarlith. <laughs> right, good point. You Oh, that's, you know, you think this is like 6 a.m.? <laughs> yeah. You know, first thing in the morning? <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, maybe they did have to perform like an autopsy because, okay, Tiepolo and Jarlath are examining a holograph of the three dead guards. Okay. It opens, Tiepolo's sitting here. He's looking at these uh, holographs. Yes, Jarlath, I do find this disturbing. How were they killed? <laughs> we get some details of the autopsy. So first guy bruises on his body indicate he was kicked and punched in the front of the body as you can see from the narrow incision in his chest a blade of indeterminate length was shoved through his chest we found the spot where he died the blade had penetrated the ground to a depth of 15 centimeters so does this mean that who got no one got stabbed no with the sword right so i thought oh this means that morgan and jamie found akira's sword and they killed one of the guys with it, right? Right. Yes. And this would have been the guy that Akira knocked down to the ground, so he wouldn't have been dead. He didn't get his neck snapped or throat punched. It yeah. makes you think that like this was like after the other two, right? Like they picked up his sword and like finished this guy off, kind of like off screen from what we've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Remember the the next patrol was in five minutes, so they had to work quickly. So. Jarleth indicates the second body, his neck was broken. Whoever killed him is enormously strong and very quick. I like this. Tiepolo closed his eyes and massaged his <laughs> temples to forestall a headache. There were hundreds among the wedding guests who could fit that description. It's like it all of them, dude. That's all all of, them. of them. It's like, oh, it was probably someone strong and fast. Yeah. And Tiepolo's like, oh my God. Because most of these lords and ladies also yeah. double as mech warriors, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. so they've got to be strong. That's literally everyone. And fast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here's what's funny. So the third body, the captain actually drowned because a blow to his throat fractured his hygoid bone and crushed his windpipe, did not kill him. His assailants tossed him and the other two into the ocean and he drowned. Salt water in the lungs. So they attempted to somewhat get rid of the bodies. Yeah, I, that's what makes you think that that was intentional. Right. Yeah. Right? Right? 
they had yeah. a sword. They killed the other guy, and they were like, "No, leave. Just throw him in the water." Right? Yeah. That's like yeah. ice cold, though. Yeah, I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> these guys are doing a professional job." Yeah. <laughs> like they didn't just leave this a mess. They were just like, "Throw him in the ocean. Leave him be." The Primus realizes, "Oh, the same man didn't kill all three. Jarlath tells him, uh, "No, actually, footprints at the scene. There are at least two attackers." Quite possibly four to six more. Who knows? That's quite a big number gap yeah. between. It's like there's two, but up to eight. Yeah. Two could be eight. So I will say from the angle of the bone break, we know the captain's attacker was shorter than him. So maybe kind of a shorter guy. I don't know. Primus. So Tiepolo's had enough. He turns the images off and he asks Jarlath. Well, he says, this disturbs me, Jarlath. Why was no alarm raised? Why weren't more ROM agents there to capture these individuals, right? What about the ROM agents? And Jarlath reminds the Primus that the ROM agents are trained to operate as individuals because uh, they do their missions. They often work alone. Also, and crucially, Jarlath says, as you are aware, we recruit them from among some of the most notorious sociopaths in the known universe. So I thought this was funny. They specifically hire the worst dudes they can find. (laughs) Which explains the arguing over who gets to kill whom. Comstar Comstar. is like, we need some like security guys. We need some. So let's get like the worst people. (laughs) Total sociopaths. A bunch of violent freaks. I thought that was funny. I was like, guys, maybe have some like higher standards. You're Comstar. (laughs) And so... Primus, they probably didn't call for help because they just assumed they could handle it. Now, they did not handle it. However, (laughs) I love this. Jarlath tells him, now, Primus, you do accurately note that we did lose three people. However, we can detect no sign of a security breach, right? There's no evidence that anything was taken or he mentions the vent grating was welded shut. Okay, Akira didn't weld the vent grating shut. No, he Remember, cut off the bolts. He cut off the bolts. So what does this mean? I also had the same question. Did Jarlath make a mistake? Did he not, Did were they, or was it really, did Jamie and Morgan come back and weld it shut? This is interesting. Did they, they like really did some work on the crime scene. Yeah. If they were like, okay, you know, oh, Jamie, you know, pull out the welding torch. And then welded the... I thought that was funny. It makes you wonder, like, was this them covering it up? Like, what's going on yeah. here? What happened here? Who welded the crate shut? It, the way I answered the question for myself here was... Because there is that big gap in it. There is that, like, how do they weld the gate shut? And I thought, did Jamie and Morgan set out with the idea of the mission before Akira did? Would they have brought something like that with them to oh. infiltrate? They were going to go down there themselves, maybe. Maybe. Jarlath also posits that, um, think about it, if they discovered Secrets Primus, certainly that would have caused a stir by now, right? We haven't heard anything, so, uh, you know, maybe we're safe. It's fine, right? That sounds like a real big coping statement there. (laughs) Yes, coping is the... You know, the guys who covered their crime scene up... (laughs) It's all fine. Everything's fine here. Yeah. Nobody would take a welding torch out there. There's no need to punish me about this. I mean, look, there's no problem. Think about it. 
Who would collect compromising information on arrival and then just keep it to themselves? Right? <laughs> That's not a thing that anyone does. Yeah. <laughs> We're Comstar. We're just poor old Comstar. The Primus tells Jarlath that if any word of this gets out, he will be removed. Okay. Also, yeah, I look, don't I don't want anyone to hear about let's keep this under wraps and I don't need Precentor Deron back up in here, right? He <laughs> mentions her. He's like, I don't I really don't need that. I hate her. <laughs> I don't think Jorlef is likes her much either, judging from the last no. Comstar chapter. No one does. You just see Julian just like digging into his temples. He's just like, Man, if Mendo comes in here. I'm just going to have a migraine. I'm done. I'm done with today already. I do like at the end of it all, we get the, uh, and double security, which, uh, double security, which is something that someone who's not in charge of security would say, (laughs) because it just means it's like either they're using all of the people they can to make as much coverage as they can while actually having a good solid rest plan or, now they're going to decrease everyone's sleep. And so you might get more coverage, hence the double security. But uh, that also means that, uh, well, everyone's just going to be way, way more tired. And uh, they're going to have a more dulled edge. So uh, unless they just had some like extra guys they just weren't using, they're just like, hey, these guys in reserve, like, come like double security yeah either way it's a losing statement from them of like you either yeah. using your stuff ineffectively or you're an out of touch manager who's just making things worse now exactly but here we are double security another reactive plan from comstar <laughs> with the blessed blake as my witness i will have no more incidents like this to ruin the culmination of our plans and that's it that's our, I love, we get another series of chapters capped off by, like, the Comstar recap, right? Things are not going well for them. No. No. Yeah, it's, like, so funny. Even though every time they're like, it's not that big of a deal, we've got it all under control now. It's fine. It's, like, not fine. We definitely won't have another one of these in a few chapters because things keep going poorly for us. They did it to themselves. <laughs> <laughs> they really did. They had mech warriors currently training while every eye of the state is on the island with them. Yeah, I thought that. Where I, why yes. did this cease operations temporarily? Yeah. Or keep them keep them quarantined down in that area. Don't let yeah. them walk up in the middle of a guided tour. Yeah. Throw a tarp over those mechs. <laughs> right? <laughs> what are you doing? We had a party. And we invited literally everyone. And we also have all these mechs under the... It's like... <laughs> Comstar does <laughs> do some, like, dumb stuff. It's funny. They think they're so smart. But, uh, yeah, they're so strange. I think they're... Yeah, it's you know, the I hubris think, of it all. Yeah, they're so out of touch. Of, like, we're going to get away with this in front of everyone. Yeah. It is funny that Mendo Waterley isn't in this one. Right. It's I just, thought so too. It's just Tiepolo talking to Jarlath, like, listen, don't tell Waterly, okay? <laughs> I don't, I can't, please. <laughs> Keep this quiet. I also like, speaking of keeping things quiet, we also kind of learn through this economy of storytelling that, oh, there's no big break. Like, Yornaga, Morgan, and Jamie 
clear to have not made any commotion with this new information. Undoubtedly, it is being disseminated by other people, but uh, not murmurings of it. It's not some big talk, right? So you're kind of keeping it down low. Yeah. Yorinaga doesn't have much to say most of the time, so... That's true. pretty in character to keep it in there. But I mean, with Morgan and Jamie, all three of these guys don't seem like somebody who's going to just rush out and tell the first person they see. It seems like they're going to try to make the most out of this information and get the strongest plan with it. I agree. Maybe just keep it to themselves. <laughs> it's a good thing to know, especially if no one else knows. It's like, oh, uh, Comstar's got a secret <laughs> army down there. That's something we can... Man, they should rob Comstar. That's not, I don't. Who doesn't love a good heist? Yeah. <laughs> cool chapters. We get some cute moments, and then uh, we get the awesome Akira ninja chapter sneaking into the compound. And then we get this Comstar dealing with the consequences of their actions. Yeah. <laughs> this... Again. How could it possibly, who could have predicted that this would be an issue? We had some perfectly good sociopaths on the job. And we're not even going. This wedding was a great idea. I'm so glad they did this. <laughs> they, what if the facility was just like off-site? Though? <laughs> right? Yeah. Or they held the wedding in anywhere a separate else. building. Yeah. Anywhere else. Here's the thing. For context, I doubt that this is all of Comstar's mechs. These are just the mechs they have right here. Right? This is just the ones they have yeah. At yeah. this location. I agree with you, Brent. I think that's another big moment. Why Akira is freaking out about this. It's like, this is what's here. We right. know Comstar's all across the inner sphere. How much more of this is there? On every planet with an HPG, there is Comstar. Yep. Makes you think. Shout outs to Grayson. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, we'll have to find out what else can go wrong for Comstar when we come back next week. To continue on through Warrior Repost. This was another episode of Of Max and Men. I am Kenan Hill. I was joined as usual by my two good friends, Brent and Aaron. We would like to thank the author, Michael A. Stackpole. Of course, all the other writers and artists who work so hard to keep Battletech alive. We would like to thank Catalyst Game Labs for being such generous stewards of the property. We have an email, advice at heat dot management if you have any questions corrections suggestions please advice at heat dot management we are also on social media instagram twitter at of mechs and men we're also on discord specifically the uh valhalla club discord we have a booth there amongst other podcasters come hang out it's probably the easiest place to reach us and uh also while you're there come check out on uh, Friday nights, we uh, do a little community MWO playing. So uh, come hang out and do that as well. We will return next week to continue our discussion of Warrior Repost by Michael A. Stackpole. Until then. Until next time. Say la. <laughs> <laughs>